Hey everybody and welcome to episode 32 of the Sacred Resistance Podcast. Today we had on Billboard Chris um, and this episode is about uh, gender ideology. This is a very, very heavy and deep episode. Um, Chris is an awesome guy. He He's a fellow Canadian and he is a very outspoken guy on this topic. He's a father, a husband, um, just ready to get the word out on what is happening, what's happening in the school systems, what's happening in our political systems, how there is a push for uh, gender ideology in schools and without parental consent. And if this doesn't ring all the alarms for parents to wake up, get involved in your kid's school, get involved, talk to their teachers, know what is happening, know where your teachers stand, even if you have to go in there yourselves um, and take it from us. Like we, we can see firsthand um, how the schools are manipulative. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, the schools yeah. are very manipulative. Um, and it all starts there. Um, so this is a really good episode to uh, kind of open everybody's eyes as to how early they start um, brainwashing our kids and trying to like push them into transitioning and, and teaching them things that they have to no business them. teaching them. Yeah, to confuse our tiny little children that are not sexual beings and putting horrible, disgusting shit in their heads. Uh, to perverse it, To perver- Yeah, I mean, and, and if this doesn't kind of uh, correlate with what's going on in the world today, um, kids being, this being pushed on kids to transition them to a different gender, um, reeks of uh, anything that the new world order can do to not for us to not breed and, and depopulate us. I and mean, it's the same thing going on with the vaccines right now. Uh, it's it, these are social experiments that haven't been approved by the FDA that are being pushed on people, and all of it leads to the depopulation road, in my eyes. Yeah, the drugs that these that the kids are getting to uh, puberty blockers are not approved for this. Um, they're, they've been studied for other things like cancer patients and um, uh, what was the other thing for women? Something for like, uh, anyhow. Yeah. It renders approved, them infertile. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're, they're transitioning these kids and if they decide that they made a mistake, which most of them do, most of them eventually decide that the transition was a bad idea and want to go back, can't have kids ever again when that happens. There's a huge percentage of kids who have transitioned. Um, that end up killing themselves because they realize that they made the wrong decision. And what Chris is doing, he is a passionate dad that is literally, he's called Billboard Chris for a reason because he wears a billboard. He walks around busy locations and just tries to start up conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And if you think that you can't make a difference in this world by speaking your truth, by living your truth, you are so wrong because Chris is... There is a ripple effect. Chris was just on Zuby's podcast. He was just on Maxine Bern- Maxine Bernier podcast, yeah. and the word is getting out, and the ball is rolling now. So please re- listen to this with open ears and open heart. Send this to people who you think need to listen to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Who, if you've got someone who's a niece, a nephew, a cousin's kid, like whatever it is, like there, there is more than what we're being told, and there is. There is a war on the children. Absolutely, there's like, a war against they're, our children. They're going after our kids, and we need to protect them. That is what our job as a parent is. That is what your job, if you don't have kids, if you are an uncle, an aunt, a friend who is fiercely just wants to protect the kids. Like kids can't protect themselves. That's what the adults are here to do. And Chris, we are so um, 
grateful for you and all the work you're doing. So thank you. Keep up the good work. Keep keep up the good fight. Yeah, this guy's got balls of steel. He's been attacked by Antifa. He's had his arm broken. He is out there on the front lines, not backing down about this. And uh, God bless you, Chris. Yeah. And everybody listen to this and share it. I mean, we're just babbling right now, but this guy's a very well-spoken guy on this topic. He knows a lot. He's a wealth of knowledge, and it's an important topic. And if, if you got kids, man, this is, this is important. So please have a listen and... Um, Send it to people. We'd yeah. love you to send this information Spread out because it, it needs it needs to get out there for sure. That's right. Mm. We love you, everybody. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. The sacred resistance. Hey, guys. Before we get on to our interview with our podcast guest, I just wanted to interject here a little bit about our clothing line that we have launched. I know we've been talking about this for a long time, but I just wanted to remind you guys that it is up and running. We have anything from men's to women's to clothing for little kids and babies, all sorts of gear to represent sacred resistance and things that say, like, my parents call the shots for little kids t-shirts and whatnot. So check us out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Represent. Put Put on some swag and represent. Show the world what you think. We'll put the link to it in the show notes. So, um, yeah, thanks for thanks for being here with us. Yeah, we love you all. Yeah. And that's why we love you so much, because we have four kids, and it's like this is such an important topic. We saw you at uh, Kelowna, at the Freedom Rally at Kelowna. We saw you speak. Right. And that's where we kind of were like, this guy's awesome. You know, look at the balls on this guy. This is amazing. Because yeah. we all feel the exact same way as you do. You're just like. You know, I'm putting a billboard on myself and getting out there and uh, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb here. Yeah. Yeah. So good on you, man. It's really Thanks, good. man. Yeah. Yeah. Not what I dreamed I'd be doing when I grew up, but here we are. I bet. Yeah. Can you tell us, like, tell us what you've been up to in the last few years or how you, how, what, how you got to where you are basically? Yeah. Like, was it looking through your kids' textbooks or like, how did, how did you start learning about this? So a friend of mine who's a lawyer at the UN in New York, I guess is the first one to have alerted me to a particular character called Jessica Yaniv, who is lives in the Fraser Valley here. Oh. Okay. And Yaniv is a trans woman, so a male, who decided to harass a whole bunch of women and uh phoned up all these estheticians, most of whom were immigrants, South Asian immigrants working out of their homes with children present, present, and asked all these women to wax his balls as part of their esthetician job, but they only serve females, right? right? That's not something they do, especially working at home, you get some strange person coming into your house with your kids present. No, thanks. But as soon as they said no, Jessica then threatened to sue them, and he took a bunch of them to the Human Rights Tribunal, alleging that he was discriminated against on the basis of his gender identity. And so that made some world news. And I'd already been kind of aware of a lot of these issues going on, but I didn't know anything that was going on with kids and all that sort of stuff in terms of blocking their puberty. So I just started digging in and learning about these issues and following people on Twitter and it's kind of been a lot of feminists talking about this on Twitter. There have been a lot of men talking about it. But as soon as I learned about puberty blockers, these drugs that are given to kids to stop them going into puberty because they want to switch sexes, 
my brain just said, what? Yeah. We're, we're doing what to kids? Yeah. yeah. And so I just kept reading more and more and more. And I see this as like a cult that has infiltrated our society. And you never know where these cult members are going to be working at. But a lot of them are school teachers and counselors and HR people and stuff like that. We've got all these girls falling for this ideology, especially. Totally. Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Mm. And it's affecting a lot of girls because puberty is a hard time. And then they go into university and they get indoctrinated some more and then they become the teachers and the counselors and start teaching this stuff to kids. So if we don't get this out of schools, we're going to have a big problem on our hands. Yeah. But yeah, I just got concerned as a dad because I have girls and I know that no matter where you come from, no matter what your socioeconomic status is or anything, anyone can fall prey to a cult. Yeah. If they get in the wrong friend group or whatever. Yeah. And so I just wanted to learn about it to protect my own kids. And the more I learned, I just couldn't stay quiet about it. So I decided to take a stand. Good for you, man. Wow. That's, uh, there's a lot there. That, you know, kids having the right, the right, air quotes, right to choose to go on puberty blockers at that age kind of reminds me of kids you know, having the right to choose whether or not to get vaccinated at that age when they're not old enough to buy cigarettes, they're not old enough to vote, they're not not, not old enough to make any choices, any responsible choices in the world, but they're allowed to make life-altering choices like that. The medical system is, is, reeks with corruption. It's, uh, it's hard. There's, There's a lot there. Not only are they allowed to make those choices, but those choices are thrust upon them. Right. This isn't just a case of the government turning a blind eye to what I consider child abuse. This is endocrinologists at children's hospitals, at gender clinics. It's um, non-medical people who have are essentially gender consultants, they call themselves, at other clinics you can go to, who are coaching these kids and telling these kids that if they don't physically transition, they're going to be miserable yeah, and that they might even kill themselves. Yeah. Some of these parents are told in these meetings with these endocrinologists that they have two choices. They can have a dead kid or a trans kid. Yeah. So what would you prefer? Yeah. And it's just not true it's not that true. children will kill themselves if you don't let them transition. It's a lie. It's a despicable lie. And that scares the heck out of people who are told that. And they're hearing this from, psychologists, doctors. We have this psychologist named Wallace Wong who works for the Ministry of Children and Families in BC. He gave a talk at the Vancouver Public Library a few years ago where he said he's transitioning over a thousand children, including over 500 in the foster system. What? Let's let's target the kids that have mass trauma, that have been abused, that have been traumatized, that have been ripped out of their homes like if if people can't see that's what's happening and girls who are about to go through puberty their emotions are crazy they're dealing with things that have they've never had to deal with before in terms of social media that's new like we don't we didn't have that like when I was growing up I got a cell phone in grade 12 I lived in Japan my dad worked over there and I had a grade I had a phone in grade 12 and it was a flip phone we had no none of the the stressors that these kids have today. So there's so many factors added up and then they're being inundated with TikTok videos of, of 
older people who have already transitioned or who are going through or have gone through different genders. And it's so clear to me that this is like by design and there's such a push for it. Yeah, for sure. It is being thrust upon them. I've seen videos of, of drag queens reading story time to elementary elementary children and reading inappropriate stuff like it's and parents are there and parents are there witnessing it and like celebrating it and like it's like is this is this real is this an act what is going on here how am i even seeing this yeah there's an organization their part one of their goals is to get these drag queens into every library and they work with whatever library associations and they created a thing called drag queen story hour Jesus. And that's what they do. So you see this in every library. And they wear inappropriate outfits a lot of the time, too. There was one at a library last year. This drag queen showed up in like a gorilla costume with a huge dildo hanging off the front of it and the ass exposed. And they were going to read stories to to preschoolers at a library. At a public library. That makes me sick with anger. Yeah. It's what, queer what, theory. It's all it's all about deconstructing the societal norms for sexual behavior or whatever. And everything goes. And but you know, what the normies of the world just have kind of been asleep while all this stuff's been going on. You've had this starting off in academia decades ago. Yeah. And now it's filtered into all of our schools, yeah. all of our school boards, all of our unions. The school unions are pushing this hard. They're yeah. normalizing this shit. Pardon yeah, me. and when, we're never going to change them because good luck, right? Yeah. But we have to take this straight to the parents and inform the parents of what their kids are learning in school Absolutely. because they're learning that there are more than two sexes and that you can just opt out of your sex at will. And schools, as a matter of policy throughout British Columbia, will not even tell the parents if their child has a new name and pronouns at school. This is why our children are homeschooled and they will never be in a public school. It, I mean, one of the reasons, one of the reasons, is one of the many reasons why I just kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought. I'm so there's a tornado in my head of just like, this is unreal. Like this stuff going on in elementary schools. It's unreal. Yeah. So let me just give a real quick rundown for people watching. I go out on the street and I wear these signs that say children cannot consent to puberty blockers or gender ideology does not belong in schools. I have a sign that's the definition of a dad, which says a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. Uh, I have another sign that says children are never born in the wrong body mm-hmm. because we hear that all the time. Yeah. No one can tell me what that means. I don't know how it's possible to be born in the, wrong, in the body. wrong body. Yeah. 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 But um I just have conversations with people. People come up to me, they ask what are puberty blockers, and I just have conversations with them one at a time because the media refused to report on what's going on. So I figured the only way I could spread the word across Canada would be by traveling from city to city and just going to busy events and hanging out at busy intersections and standing there for hours at a time. Yeah, waiting for spreading this by word of mouth. Yeah. But what's happening is you get these kids, and it's mostly girls these days, adolescent girls, who are distressed about being a girl because Brittany, I'm sure you can tell me growing up as a girl is hard. Life changes pretty fast when you hit puberty and it's a hard time. It is. And it's especially hard these days, I think with the Instagram era. Yeah. 
um, trying to match all the beauty standards and everything and all the peer pressure and everything that goes along with that. But yeah, these are really unprecedented times growing up. We have no, yeah. Social media is a mess, but, um, you get all these kids who are struggling with other issues. So they've got depression or anxiety. They've got ADHD or autism. Autism is huge amongst this cohort of kids who are wanting to transition. A lot of them have had abuse or sexual abuse. A lot of these girls have been sexually abused. Porn has been a huge factor as well oh, yeah. with these kids. They see all this porn going on and man, who the heck wants to be a girl if that's what your view of sex is? But it's basically an escape route for some of these kids. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. They don't want to be a girl for whatever reason. And we should be counseling these children and figuring out what's going on. Empowering but, them. Mm -hmm. But instead, what goes on when they go into these gender clinics is they treat they treat it as though the kid's born in the wrong body and that all these other struggles that the child is having in life stem from being the wrong gender yeah. Yeah. Or, gen or sex or gender identity, whatever term you want to use. Yeah. yeah. Gender identity is this mystical term that nobody can actually define really without resorting to stereotypes. So if you ask a girl, what does it mean to be a boy? So you say you're a boy now, what does that mean? Nobody can tell you unless they, they resort to stereotypes like short hair and playing with boy toys and wearing pants right. and wanting to be an engineer when you grow up, yeah. yeah, being into STEM. These girls at school are even being told that they're probably trans just because they're more masculine. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gone from, we've gone from, you know, women not having any rights to then not having any sports. And then we get into the eighties and nineties and the early part of this century when, you know, we kind of got rid of all those dumb stereotypes and we told our girls they could be anything they want to be when they grow up. And they were participating in all these different sports. And now we've gone backwards and we've gone into this regressive sexist ideology that teaches children that stereotypes define what sex they are. Exactly. So if you're a tomboy now, you're taught that you're an actual boy. Yeah. And that to find true happiness, you'll need to block puberty so you don't get wider hips and you won't start your periods and your breasts won't grow. Your bones won't gain any density, by the way. A girl in Sweden just suffered spinal fractures after going on this drug for years. Because this drug that's given to kids, it's called Lupron, usually yeah. is the drug in North America. And it's a drug that's never been approved for this purpose. It was approved to treat prostate cancer in men, endometriosis in women. But women only go on this drug for six months right. because the side effects are so harsh. It's the same exact drug, drug that's been given to pedophiles to chemically castrate them because it destroys their sex drive. But it's used off-label or unapproved because it happens to stop puberty as well. It stops the pituitary gland from releasing hormones, which trigger your secondary sex characteristics to develop. So in boys, their penises won't grow. They'll get to 18 years of age with a micro penis and it's not gonna grow back when they come off these drugs. All these harmful effects to these children are permanent, yet these drugs are presented as a pause button for these kids when they go into these gender clinics. So they can just figure out what they wanna do. But 98% of the time, we know this from gender clinics own studies, 
these children go on to the next step because this is a two-step process. It's blocking puberty so you don't generate your own hormones, which would help these children feel more comfortable in their skin, and then giving them the opposite sexes hormones. So girls get testosterone, so they get a deep voice, they grow facial hair. Um, they might feel better for a while because testosterone gives them some euphoric feelings. It takes away some anxiety, it redistributes some of their body fat. Their periods have stopped, so they're all gonna like that, of course. And so there's this honeymoon period. But these drugs are now lowering their voice, giving them an Adam's apple, causing their hair to fall out, giving them a beard, um, causing other ill effects down below. I'm not going to get into it because it gets kind of graphic, but this is just disgusting what we're doing to kids. Yeah. It's used to gender dysphoria used to affect one out of several thousand kids, more boys than girls, way more boys than girls. And gender dysphoria by definition starts very young. So these would be four or five, six year old boys who were way more effeminate, yeah. like playing with dolls, like playing with the girls. Yeah. And we have studies into gender dysphoria, several academic studies, and they all show 80 to 90% of the time that when these kids grew up and went through puberty, their dysphoria just went away. And a lot of these kids grew up to be gay, majority of them, in fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is actually stopping puberty in a bunch of kids that would grow up to be gay and destroying their physical development, yeah. destroying any future chance at intimacy. The president-elect of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health just admitted a month or two ago that a lot of these kids, when they grow up, will never be able to have an orgasm, yeah. particularly the boys. Yeah. These drugs and hormones together are sterilizing these children. They'll never be able to have kids. The list just goes on. I go, yeah. So anyway, that's the brief rundown so people understand what's happening to thousands of children today. That are puberty age. Like everybody listening, who wasn't confused at that age about some, who Absolutely. didn't, who knew who they were at that age? I've changed a thousand times since I was 13. Right. More than that, probably. Yeah, like it's that, it's probably. it's pretty crazy. And then I was reading up on D trans kids that have transitioned and then have huge regret, oftentimes kill themselves, or they try to detransition back to their original um what the body they were born in, but it's never the same. Right, like like, you like said, the, these are permanent. the damage is done and they they most likely will not be able to reproduce if that's what they want. Right. right. And what young woman knows if she wants to have kids? What 20 year old woman knows? Exactly. Oh my God. Like I said, when I, I all said, no, every girl I knew when I was younger was like, I'm not having kids. I'm not. Yeah. Having kids. Like I used to be yeah. a ton as growing up. I was a teenager and I was like, oh. I, I went through a period of like, I want 10 kids before I babysat. And then I started babysitting. I was like, and then, you know, you're a teenager. And, and I remember seeing like, um, out of my group of friends, like our parents, some of our parents fighting and not getting along and be like, I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. That's it. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And you, but that's normal. You go mm -hmm. through that, you go through these hardships and then you get on the other side and like, yeah, my heart breaks for people who can't so, have kids. Yeah. I, I yeah. Can Sorry guys. I just got to tend to one thing real quick here. Just give me no one problem. second. No, no no worries. Problem. No worries. I'm just going to mute this for a second. Yeah, yeah no problem. Bet. Yeah. I'm gonna pause. Actually, 
Oh, is that, I did it out. What time are we Okay, sorry about that. I'm back. That's okay. No worries, man. No worries. Um, my my mind clearly can see something more nefarious going on here. Um, I'm I mean I can see the government with clear eyes now. I know exactly what they're up to. They're 4D chess players. But getting back to this trans story time, like we're talking about confused kids going through puberty, but they're they're starting at a much earlier age now. Kids are not sexual beings at all. There is no reason for that to be presented to five and six-year-olds for, for dildos and trans uh, people. Shouldn't be on the radar story. at all. Like, I've, I've heard the content of some of these stories and they're talking about sexual stuff in these stories. Kids are not sexual beings. That's not on their mind at all. Let kids be kids. That's trauma. They're up to something here, That's inserting trauma. this shit in these kids' heads. And it pisses me off. Yeah, yeah it's, it's part of an agenda. There, there was a BCTF president named Glenn Hansman from 2016 to 2020. Uh, he was the president of the BC Teachers Federation and he wrote his master's thesis on queering schools. Queering. Queering schools. Queering schools. So introducing queer theory into all of these schools. And he gave an interview with Vancouver Sun where he says it was hard to do, but we did it kicking and screaming, which is the modus operandi for all of these activists. They basically just yell and cry as loudly as they can until people are tired of it. Too afraid to stand up to them because then they get called a bigot, you know, and they've managed to infiltrate all of our schools with these crazy teachings. In 2000, I guess it was 16, maybe 17, the BC government um, approved through the legislature in a single afternoon, they passed first, second and third reading. There were no consultations, there were no meetings, there were no experts called to testify. They just snuck it through in a single afternoon and then they immediately funded this third party called the ARC Foundation, which produced these activist non-scientific school materials for kids in school. And so the way it works with teachers in the province, all provinces, is they have autonomy. They don't have to teach a certain set of materials, but they are supposed to achieve the broader goals of the curriculum. And so these school materials are one source that they can draw from, but teachers can just go on the internet and find anything they want if they wanna teach gender identity to these kids. And it's not all teachers that are going to teach this. It depends on what teacher you get. But if you get one of these woke teachers who's an ideologue, who believes in all this, your kid's in trouble yeah. because they're going to be teaching all these children that they have a gender identity. And if you teach kids they have a gender identity, kids then need to figure out what their gender identity is. And how do they do that? Well, they'll look at a resource like the genderbred person, which states that your gender identity is based on jobs, hobbies, likes and dislikes, roles, and expectations. So roles, what do roles have to do with your gender identity? That's just regressive sexist nonsense. If you like to stay in the kitchen and you're a boy, does that mean you're you're on the girl end of the spectrum? Yeah, yeah. Or, so or if you like to play with Barbies, does that mean you're a girl? Yeah. <laughs> Most girls don't like playing with Barbies. Yeah, I, I don't. I never did. I cut their hair off. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, there you go. Oh, the maybe you're a boy. Oh, yeah. I became a hairdresser. Yeah. It's funny. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like that this is even happening. Um, and now I just, I, I had to go back in a text because I remember talking to somebody about conversion therapy. That's no, that's now illegal where to, and thought of as absolutely crazy to think that you can talk someone down where to me, like that would just be processing someone's trauma. Would it not right. be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you're not, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And now you, now um, that's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now deemed conversion therapy. If a girl thinks she's a boy and you help her to feel comfortable as a girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's deemed conversion therapy. Right. If you're yeah. a counselor, a professional PhD, a mental health professional, a medical professional, a faith leader, a parent, anybody, they will deem that conversion therapy. If you perceive that there's a preferred outcome for these children. So if you're a counselor, I mean, counselors don't go into any counseling saying to a child that they need to be a certain way, right? That's not what counseling is about. Yeah. And they already have their own rules on the books against conversion therapy. But obviously there is a preferred outcome for these children who are experiencing severe distress about their gender. And the preferred outcome is for them not to be a lifelong medical patient exactly. reliant on exogenous hormones the preferred outcome is for them not to get their uterus removed because of vaginal and uterine atrophy, which is one thing that happens when they're on these, when they're on testosterone, they don't want to get their ovaries removed. Their bodies will never be able to produce estrogen anymore if they decide to detransition and they'll have to rely on exterior sources, external sources of estrogen. Or if they decide to stay a trans man, they're going to be on testosterone for the rest of their life. Yeah. It shortens their lifespan. These drugs and hormones are affecting their brain. And they're starting this with children as young as like 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the technical term for it is Tanner stage two of puberty. So for girls, when her breasts first start to form and right. she hasn't even had her period yet. Because the whole idea is they don't want their body to look more like the sex that they're in. Because that would be terrible, right? Yeah, yeah. So how, can we go back to this experiment you were talking about with the 500 orphans? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, so yeah. Yeah. Not. I mean, not an experiment. It's a. It's a psychologist. So he'll start socially transitioning children. So he's got so a thousand patients. Transitioning children. So socially transitioning is just telling a girl that she's actually a boy or telling a boy that he's a girl. Not doing anything medically yet, right? It's changing their name and pronouns at school, and living their life as the opposite sex with new names and pronouns. So are they, but taking, that's, sorry, are they taking kids that are already saying, hey, I'm confused, I think I'm a girl, or are they just grabbing 500 orphans and saying, you're now a girl, you're now a boy? Conditioning them. Well, that's a, that's a great question. So this, this psychologist is clearly ideological in nature. Yeah, it sounds like it, yeah. Of those 500 orphans, about 250 of them will be indigenous, by the way because 52% of all kids in state care in Canada are indigenous. Right. Those are the statistics from the stats Canada. Yeah. But so, you know, we've got all these politicians in Ottawa self-flagellating over residential schools and things that happened more than a hundred years ago yeah. and flying our flag at half mast for six months in Ottawa. But we've got a real life crisis affecting indigenous children today that they're all pretending not to know about where we're sterilizing another generation of kids. So, but this doctor, 
Yeah, if kids are gender non-conforming, I think it's safe to say he's going to be pushing them towards trans. He's one of these type of people. His youngest patient, for example, these are his own words, is two years and nine months old. Oh, my God. So clearly he's putting that on this kid. Are you kidding me? He's still in diapers. Yeah. That is fucked. That's unreal. Yeah. It's hard to... Yeah, and and this is the... This is the authority. He is the source that the BC government leans on when formulating their policies within the Ministry of Children and Families. Well, there was that case down in, I think it was in Surrey, the dad was trying to speak out about his child going through through this. And he he had no, he, I can't remember what happened with the court case or not, but I'm sure you remember this one. But he wasn't even allowed to- Yeah, I live tweeted from the court. Oh, you did? Oh, you did. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about it? I that? did. So, yeah, I've written quite a bit about it, too. So, the very first year that they started teaching this in schools, the Delta School District was one of the first school districts, and this girl decided that year when she was still 11, I that believe. she wasn't even a teenager yet. No, that she was a boy. And so, the school district sent her to Wallace Wong, that guy I was just talking about. Who's transitioning a thousand kids? He sent her to the children's hospital. Now, the dad, for example, didn't even find out that his daughter had a new name at school and new pronouns until he saw her yearbook at the end of the year because the school didn't inform him. But she was sent to the children's hospital when she was still 11. She signed a consent form to go on testosterone. The consent form literally states we don't have long-term information to do with this treatment. It lists some of the risks, but it says we don't know all of the long-term information. So if we don't have the long-term information, how is it possible for a child to give informed consent? Yeah. This is a live experiment on children. But the father refused to sign the form. Mom did. And then he threatened legal action. And he got lawyers. And so shortly after she had turned 12, she hadn't started yet. The endocrinologist at the BC Children's Hospital sent him a letter, and I have it, and it literally states that because of the Infants Act in BC, which is a law preventing parents. So this law states that parents cannot intervene in any medical decision at any age if the doctor deems it's necessary and thinks the child can understand. So they sent this dad a letter saying that he was, he could be a friend and advisor to his child, but he couldn't intervene in his now 12 year old girl going on testosterone. I feel like, I feel like we, as a whole, people have just lost their minds because that is what our job is as a parent is to protect our children. And if that doesn't get people fired up, like we know, we've known about the Infants Act for a long time because it, because we started going down different rabbit holes of like vaccines and how vaccines can even be administered to kids without a parental consent. And what child can give informed consent when they're only hearing one side of, of the argument? They're not hearing the other side, the dangers, the side effects, the long-term, long-term studies. They can't even take that all in. And this, this is so wrong on so many levels. Well, like how, how, how does a parent how can we send our kids to school knowing we that can. this is happening? Like how, 
there, but not everyone has that option that we do. Yeah. Well, anybody who knows this kind of stuff, just, you can't, you can't. But I'm sure Chris's kids go to school. They do. And they're, they're obviously, <laughs> I mean, informed, though, too. Good, good luck to any teachers who try to teach this to my kids. Yeah. But my uh, kids are very well informed about all of this. And this is the thing that I really want to get through to parents. If you know, if you don't have these talks with your kids, they're a blank slate yep. for someone else to come in and indoctrinate them. But if you've had a lot of these talks with your kids and you have them over the years, just naturally, as these things come up, and you tell your kids, if you hear the word gender at school, I want to hear about it. Yep. And if you talk to the parents, at the, at, to the teachers at the start of the year, and you tell, tell the principal you're not okay with your kids learning this, guess what? There's a far less likelihood your kids are going to learn this. Yeah. And a lot of these teachers don't even understand what they're teaching. Right. A lot of these teachers, they just get briefed at professional development days. They have no idea about any of this stuff. They've been teaching for 20 years. This is all new to them. They might read a book or something. But it's these young teachers that you really right. need to look out for. Right. The and young so, yeah, right now. it so depends on the situation. And if you need to pull your kid out of school, you need to pull your kid out of school for sure. Yeah. And what you're saying, but I haven't had too many issues yet with my kids teachers but we're also not in a super woke neighborhood yeah, yeah. you've taken an active role and gone yeah. and introduced yourself to the to your kids teachers and you know got a feel for them who they are most most parents don't do that they don't even go to parent teacher interviews right that's the thing where it becomes such a slippery slope like mom and dads nowadays are so busy mom and dads both work and not saying like people have to do what they got to do like like property taxes are through the roof right now like things are insane so but what we need to get back to is is being having dinners together talking to our family going and talking to our kids like we kids have their devices parents have their devices everyone's in different rooms watching different shows or watching youtube yeah. videos or tiktok videos or instagram videos and like the conversation has been lost, like the family dynamic has been lost. And I think that that's something that's, that's huge. so important. We need to get back because like, do, if you want to have influence in your children's life, you got to know what's going on in their life. Yeah. And we need to keep our kids off social media. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of parents will say, how do you do it? Like, I can't do it. That ship has sailed. Their kids are 16 years old now. Yeah. And social media is where they do all of their social interaction. Yeah. A lot of these kids. Yeah. And social media is hell. It is. TikTok, Tumblr, Reddit. Deviant art is a site a lot of these kids go to um, and they fall down this trans rabbit hole because they end up with all these peers who are, you know, other teenage influencers yeah. pushing this on them. Yeah. They end up with entire friend groups who are entirely trans. Yeah. I just saw a study yesterday. I think it was 34% of kids who identify as trans. The majority of their friends in their friend group are trans yeah. as well. Yeah. This is the social contagion. That's not absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's a social contagion that with the most vulnerable kids ends with them getting sterilized. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not like being goth yeah. 20 years ago. This has severe medical consequences for a lot of these kids. And there are minor girls, 13, 14 years old, even I've seen getting their breasts cut off. Jeez. Like that's the thing. So I was, it's totally nuts. I was saying to Jamie, like when I was a kid, um, I had a 
eating disorder or as a teenager I had an eating disorder. And I wanted, I remember vividly the, what I wanted to look like. And now I look back, I'm like, holy crap. It, I wanted to look like Tori Spelling, skinny, skinny, skinny with big fake boobs. Like that was, that was what I thought was beauty, right? At age of 13. Thank goodness. I don't, have that body type because that's not that's not attractive to me anymore but what I what my whole point is whatever we're thinking is like like at that age whatever being bombarded with us like then it was stick skinny models walking down the runway and I lived in Japan and everybody was skinny and here I was curvy and I didn't have that that body type so you feel less lesser and that's normal though and so now these girls who are feeling insecure about their bodies they think this is going to fix everything and it's not it's going to make so make it so much worse and i i just my heart breaks my heart breaks for kids right now growing up and for parents having to go through this like i can't even like kids should not have to deal with it we should just have to deal with the normal things that that we grew up with this only reinforces my anger towards the medical system like what kind of a doctor would remove the breasts of a 13 year old girl? Like do no harm. You signed that oath. You piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. There's a, they advertise on TikTok. Yeah. These doctors. There's one in, there's one down in the States. No. I forget her name, but she makes these cutesy little videos and she advertises that she's so sad because this week she only has, She's only gets to yeet the teats. She calls it yeeting the teats. She only gets to do it four times that week. Oh my gosh. And she makes these cute little videos with music and she poses with all these girls afterwards who've had their breasts cut off. They even cut off their nipples a lot of the time. Yeah. And they don't have any anymore. And they're celebrating and there's these huge gashes across their chest. And these images go out on social media and they're glorifying yeah what is self-harm yeah to all these other impressionable girls yeah who are very very impressionable to what's going on with their peers and they're having a hard time and when you're a teenager you think the smallest things are the end of the world totally totally and they're in their heads a hundred percent of the time and they're on social media constantly getting fed more of this nonsense and so parents need to First of all, stop them from getting on social media in the first place mm-hmm. and have talks with your kids. Don't just tell them you can't have it. Have children come to an understanding on their own of why it's not good for their health. That's we need Because to- that's possible to do. Yeah. You just have to have a conversation with your child and involve them in the process. And you got to get them out in nature, get them outside, you know. Totally. Definitely. Get them living life as we evolved to do because we're not meant to sit in front of a computer all day long. No. Hmm. And that that's this is the most unnatural generation being brought up right now. Their their whole life is staring at screens. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh, I was just gonna say something. It's oh a- yeah. So there I used to follow this man on social media and but he was all about keeping your kids off of social media. And what we need right now is a movement of parents. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately he passed away last year and he was out of the States. I'm not, and I cannot remember his name right now. You probably heard of him, but he, he always promoted like the, I forget the go phone or something. It was just a phone. So you could call your kids and your kids could call you after school. So you could keep, keep 
track of your children and they could call, I guess, their friends or stuff, but there was, it was not a smartphone. They did not have social media. It was purely just to make sure you knew where your kid was, basically. That's how the smartphone is sold to, to give it to you, give, 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 give your nine-year-old yeah. a phone so that you know where they are. So you can track that. I was a kid in the 80s and it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. We rode our bikes everywhere. I'll be home when it's dark. That's it. Yeah. And we parents- came home when the streetlights came on. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Man. I just, they didn't know where we were. <laughs> no, not at all. But, I was miles away in the forest playing around and whatever. Exactly. Riding my bike all across Surrey. Yeah, yeah. totally. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, how old are you, Chris? I'm 46. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was born in 75. So I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Good time. Good Jamie times. was born in 79. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And in the Surrey area yeah. too. We probably knew some of the same people. We probably rolled with some of the same crew. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. 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 Um, so what what kind of advice do you have other than keeping your kids off of social media for parents who might be going through something like this? Yeah, like- per- I think parents just need to learn what's going on. It's information, yeah. you know? If, if- Maybe follow me on Twitter at Billboard Chris or check out my website. Uh, they can reach out to me. But they need to learn what's going on, what's being taught to these kids so they can teach their kids the truth. Because when kids are already armed with the truth and lies come for them, they're much less likely to have any impact on them. But you just got to be aware of what's going on because schools aren't necessarily a safe place anymore. And it sounds ridiculous to say that. But for a lot of kids, it's where they're falling into this. Absolutely. Peer contagion and everything. And homeschooling is an option. But yeah, parents just have to be aware. And kids who have had trauma or come from divorced families or like move cities or something like that, they're, they're definitely more prone to falling into this. Just like kids who had trauma would be more prone to like falling down, going. Or experimenting with drugs or whatever it is right now, this is what's being pushed to the vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky and every situation is different. Parents need to know their kid. If your child's on the autism spectrum, you need to be especially concerned about what's getting taught in school and what they're exposed to on social media. Because I kid you not, uh, uh, probably about half of these kids are somewhere on the spectrum. Really? It's really catching autistic children. And we know that from some of these gender clinic studies themselves. I know it anecdotally from talking to parents. I'd say the last 10 parents I spoke to, all of their kids, every single one was somewhere on the autism spectrum. And again, that's just being ignored by all these gender clinics. We have guidance from the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. That these gender clinics don't even follow. Right. I don't agree with a lot of the guidance in the first place. Right. But it's just kind of the wild, wild west of gender medicine. Right. And we've taken this term, which is called affirmation, gender affirming care or affirmation only. And these doctors and therapists or whoever who really aren't qualified to work with these kids just affirm them. Yeah. They do nothing. It doesn't mean to just accept a child's self-diagnosis right away. If a 12 year old says she's a boy, we shouldn't just go, okay, yeah, you're a boy. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the policy now. If you go to the BC Children's Hospital website and read their policy, that's exactly what they do. They simply affirm the child on the intake appointment with the social worker or the nurse. And the second appointment's with the endocrinologist. And they're getting these prescriptions of these puberty blocking drugs on their very first appointment. So do you think that this is happening because our government is more of a liberal government? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. These, all of our main political parties have activists on board now. We don't, we don't have really a proper demo functioning democracy. No, no, we definitely don't at all. And everyone's too afraid to speak up that would speak up. Well, there's this whole fear of cancel culture now too. Like I'm, I, I have you. Yeah, I'm it's cancel culture. I'm sure yeah. you've been canceled by a lot of people. <laughs> I have. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's pretty you, crazy. How do you deal with well, that? Well, well, they can only cancel you if you agree to be canceled. Right. No one's going to stop me going out on the street talking to people, no matter what they say about me. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking. There's your been a, there. There have been so many lies told about me. Um, it's sure it's been very stressful at times. And when I first started this, I lost 16 pounds in 17 days because wow. people just started up with all the lies and yeah. I was getting, you know, attacked online every 20 seconds of the day. And I've been attacked in real life too. Um, I have my arm broken in Montreal, got attacked by Antifa, a bunch of guys. And I, I blocked a, a guy picked up a traffic cone and started swinging it at me. And I blocked it four times with my left forearm, but one of those blows broke my arm. Oh man. Because the base on those traffic cones is pretty thick. No doubt. But that's that stuff just all backfires. I just try to use these things and I try to make it backfire on those people because then you pick up more media. Yeah. And it reaches way more people. Whereas if they just left me alone, I would have just talked to the people I would have seen on the street that day. Right. And you, know? you you have the heart of a lion. I, I love you, man. You're, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm just not going to stop. Yeah. Good on you. So I don't care. I really don't care what they do. I got mobbed by 200 university students in Ottawa back in October. And they painted me. They punched me in the head a couple of times. They keyed my rental car. Police just watched. There were six police there. They all just watched. And they were getting a little unruly. So I was like, okay, time to call it a day. Have you pressed? And I couldn't even get my car. My passenger who was with me couldn't even get in the car. They had to like crawl in the back seat where I had the seats folded down because he couldn't get around to the other side of the car. And police are all just watching. I've been assaulted numerous times. I've been arrested twice after getting assaulted each time. I got charged with causing a disturbance by the Vancouver police simply for being present at the Vancouver Art Gallery and having all these anarchist types come at me. Wow. And when they told me not to be present, the police told me not to walk in the public square. I said, excuse me, this is Canada. Like, yeah. you, you can't tell me that. And so I just dug my heels in and they arrested me. What's, uh, what and was then they that? banned me from walking on all these streets in downtown Vancouver for six months until Crown threw out the charge. That's you the know, thing they don't hold up in court. These yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember do you remember what your billboard said on that day that you got arrested? Yeah, on that day, that was October 24th, 2020, the first arrest. And on that day, the sign on my front said gender ideology does not belong in schools. And the sign on my back is the very controversial I love JK Rowling. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harry Potter. Yes, it said I heart JK Rowling, the very first billboard I did before I started going out on the street with my signs that I wear, I put up a billboard in Vancouver that said, I love JK Rowling because a woman in the UK named Posey Parker had put up a sign at the Edinburgh train station that said that, and it got taken down the next day because some people on Twitter complained, you know, and JK Rowling, who is the Harry Potter author has spoken out about all this. You know, she's spoken out about women getting fired from their jobs for believing in biology. 
She's spoken out about this child medical abuse scandal. And so when that simple poster that just professed love for the world's greatest children's author got taken down, I was reading Harry Potter all that year and half of the next year with my little one every night at bedtime. And I'd been learning about all this. I think that was in July of 2020. And I just had enough. So I reached out to Patterson Outdoor, Jimmy Patterson's sign company. And they agreed to put up this big billboard. And I found a location in East Vancouver. That was a great spot heading into Vancouver. And they put up this big billboard. And it got paint bombed overnight. And then the next day, Vancouver City Councilor, a politician, said it was hate speech. And she complained to Patterson. And they covered up the sign the next day. How the I love JK Rowling sign? Yeah. How is yeah, that the big hate, billboard? How yeah. is that hate speech? Because I don't know. It's got a big heart on it. So it's a tough one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're in 1984. This is Orwellian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right? War is peace, freedom is slavery. They're yeah. equating an I love JK love is hate. Thank you. An I love Hitler sign. Wow. Yeah. So then I put up a whole bunch in the US. Okay. I reached out on Twitter and I said, if you want to do this in your city, I'll help. I just need help with funding because I'm not a rich guy at all. I've been doing all this on no budget, essentially. Actually. And uh, right away, a woman in Silicon Valley reached out. And then I raised some more money from some Canadians. And I had a billboard up in San Francisco the next week. Wow. And then a bunch in Utah and then Portland, Los Angeles, the whole metro in Washington, D.C., and then Times Square. So that was all September 2020. And then after that is when I started going out on the street, having one conversation at a time. Wow. Good for you. Because I knew that people like you would come along and now we can reach more people well, at one time. And you were, you've been on Zuby's podcast, which has a huge following, and then Maxine Bernier's podcast. Like that's Yeah, huge. there's been some good ones. I need yes. to get them up on my website. Um, there's been some pretty good ones. So I've been reaching people. And in October in Ontario, I reached a few million people through conventional media. But those were all stories about how I was transphobic and stuff like that. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, for gosh. everybody listening, you, this is what one man can do. One yeah. man with like conviction and passion and determination. Look at all the all the voices, all the ears that you've reached, man. You had billboards up in San Francisco, Vancouver, major cities. You've been on major podcasts. Like you're just a guy, one guy, but you're giving her. And this is what can yeah. happen. If you give her, this is what happens. Yeah. I played this out in my mind before. And I said, if I just keep going out and I don't stop, this is the only way this can go. So do you obviously you're going to build traction after a while? Yeah. It's like compounding interest. You get 10 supporters and then 15 and then 20 and then 50 and then hundred. And then it's just going to keep growing because I'm not going to stop. So this is how we're going to get the word out. And so earlier you said, you're like, you never thought you would be doing this when you grew up. And now do you feel like (laughs) this is like your purpose? Yeah, like I don't want to get too dramatic about it, but for sure, I think I feel like this is a calling for me. I felt Sounds like it. given other life experiences that I'd experienced, which I won't get into today, but I felt in a way somewhat uniquely prepared for this. Right. And it does feel like a bit of a calling. And for me, when I wake up in the day, I don't care about chasing money and having a bigger house and all that sort of stuff. I want my days to have some meaning. And this seems like a better way for me to spend my time than just chasing money. Absolutely, man. Chasing money is not not the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Good for you, man. Like how blessed are we to have, like you, you are 
the most well-spoken voice and the most educated person on this topic that I've ever heard speak. And how great is it to have you on the show? This is awesome. And you're local. Yeah. You're, you're in BC yeah. like us. Yeah. Well, th thank you. That's very nice of you to say. I'm definitely not the most educated on this topic. But ultimately, there's only so much you really need to know yeah. to be able to have these conversations with people. Because we are boys and we are girls. We are men and we are women. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And to stop the development of a child is quite clearly insane. Yeah. It's never been done in history. It's totally experimental. We've been around on this planet for a couple hundred thousand years. Kids weren't killing themselves because they were stuck in the wrong body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is a weird cultish social contagion going on. Absolutely. And we just need to create awareness of what's happening. Because and when enough people figure out what's going on, they'll wear their hats and they'll do their jobs and we'll eventually get this stopped. But we have to create awareness to get it stopped. And the thing is, people need to realize it's not you're not there creating hate or trying to shame people who are part of the LBGTQ community. Like that's one like you're like, right. I feel like people in the LBGTQ community should be getting upset because now not only is it harming kids, but you're also now impeding men or women as they grow up to be gay. They don't, they're not even going to be able to sexually please themselves on top of it. Yeah. So there's like, it, right. it's, it's yeah. so mind blowing to me. Like they should, that community should be up in arms as well. Well, that's their MO. That's how they attack you is accuse you of attacking these people. You're not attacking anybody at all. You're not, you're not shaming right. anybody at all. Save you're saving. the kids. Right. Yeah. And if an adult is one of those adults who went through puberty and still has severe gender dysphoria and yeah. it's been persisting for all these years and they're going to feel better transitioning, well, they're an adult. They're, yeah. exactly. No one's going to tell an adult what they can do with their body. That's right. Now, I would hope they would wait until they're past 18 or 19 because we see a ton of 18 and 19-year-old kids transitioning and then detransitioning and having deep regrets. Right. Yeah. Because they've been indoctrinated as children as well. Right. This indoctrination process started when they were little. And our brains are still forming until we're about 25. But hey, they're an adult. They can do whatever they want. And Absolutely. everyone just wants everyone to be as happy as they can. That's all. That's it. Yeah. Right. But we're talking about kids and their brains are forming and they're 11, 12, 13. Some of these kids believed in the tooth fairy or yeah. Santa Claus last week. Yeah. That's right. I don't want to say that too loud because my little nine-year-old might hear me. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's how close it is. So that's how close it is. I yeah. have a, a friend of a good friend of mine who is a, who transitioned as an adult. And this person has been getting tons of uh, people reaching out to them on social media, children, teenagers, kids. And the one thing that this person says to them is like, just wait, just yeah. wait, just yeah. wait because this is not a decision. I, I, he, that this, I can't remember if they transitioned to a male or female. That's why I'm saying this person, but they transition and they are adamant that this is not a decision a child should make. Yeah, that's right. Watchful waiting, we call it. And therapy and you just wait it out. Yeah. Right. Cause these kids grow out of it. Yeah. I already know a lot of parents whose kids we're wanting to transition and they've already desisted or they've stopped wanting that. And it just takes time. Yeah, Our yeah. brains are developing. We're growing up. 
they're in high school, they get out of high school, they get new friend groups, they get new environments. Yeah. Yeah. It all changes. It does. I was a hot mess when I was 13. I was going through anxiety like you would not believe. And I, uh, I had insomnia. I swear I didn't sleep for an entire year. I cried all night long. I was a mess all day. I grew out of that stuff. We all like it was it was a rough year. I could have been led down a really strange path if if that would have presented itself. Right. But luckily, it didn't. Right. Yeah. And Sounds again, good. the practice with these kids now is just to rush them onto these drugs. Yeah. We don't do therapy even. Like yeah. no therapy. Like Imagine that. That's, Imagine that. Yeah. That's crazy. And not telling the parents at all. Like, shouldn't the parents have the first crack at talking to their kids about things? But yeah. you're not even telling them that they changed their name. Yeah. It's nuts. This, there's a, a detransitioner, really wonderful young woman. Her name's Helena. She's on Twitter. But uh, she drove five hours. I, I guess she was, she was a little bit older. Maybe she was 18. But she drove five hours to a Planned Parenthood to get testosterone because that's where the closest Planned Parenthood was in the States where she lived. Mm-hmm. And because she drove five hours, the clinician at Planned Parenthood thought that really showed dedication. And so she must really be trans because if she wasn't really trans, she probably wouldn't have driven five hours to get testosterone. And so 20 minutes, she's in and out of there with a large, a high dosage of testosterone as well. They know nothing about this woman, zero, but they just hand out these drugs and hormones like candy now. Yeah. 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 Right within 20 minutes they didn't sit down and learn anything about her history or anything about her nothing gave her a requisition form to go get some blood work done you know so they can track your blood work over time i guess but didn't look at it first or anything like so, they do nothing no it's more money for the one system. yeah it's there's a lot of money behind this for sure yeah yeah and once somebody starts to transition and a year down the road they don't want to do that anymore what like we don't know what the long-term side effects could be right yeah well a year down the road they're gonna have facial hair their voice will have dropped they might keep getting lower if they stay on testosterone it depends on the dosage they're on as well right but now they've got a beard you know wow and there probably would have been some uh there's there's going to be some other issues as well going on oh for sure yeah some of them end up with like a three inch long clitoris after testosterone usage. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, man. There's all sorts of stuff. These boys end up with this micro penis. And then if they want to make it into a neo vagina, what they do is they invert it. Right. But because there's not enough tissue there, because it never grew throughout puberty, what they will do is cut out a piece of their stomach lining or their colon to form the lining for this neo-vagina. And there's always surgical complications and it smells and it just gets disgusting. It gets gross. Yeah. It's awful. And for some of these women, they'll cut off a huge chunk of their form or their thigh in order to make a fake phallus that doesn't even do anything. It just just hangs there. Yeah. So th- this stuff gets really into the realm of just mad. It is mad. Scientists. Science mad. and yeah. like, like you- Frankenstein stuff in a way. Yeah. And people are trying to put, play God. And that is so wrong. And the media reports this as a romantic thing of a child finding their true self. Really? Yeah. 
That's yeah. Okay. So do you think down the road that these people will be held accountable? Because like, like Nuremberg trials, like they're, these are things like they're not getting proper informed consent and That's right. they're screwing people's lives up. I don't know where the lawsuits are. Um, I know they have, they have a lot of liability protection in Texas recently, they had a bill where they were going to take liability protection away from these doctors. And that would have killed this practice immediately in Texas. Totally. Because without liability protection, none of these hospitals or genetic clinics would allow this procedure to go on. What they're doing down there now is they're going after the drug companies for advertising right. these drugs off-label. They've never been approved by the FDA for this purpose. So uh, there's, lawyers are going to have to get busy and start doing their job. Well, that just... But they're going to have to do some of this maybe pro bono because... Yeah. Has to be a you know, they need to find some kids who've been harmed and they need to find an angle to go after the government with yeah. and do whatever they can. But I'm not a lawyer, so they're going to need to wear their hats and get busy. Yeah, I know of one lawyer who's working on something down in the States right now, but I don't know of any other major lawsuits happening. So I, I, the high court in the UK had ruled on this in December 2020. The high court ruled children can't give informed consent. But then they lost an appeal. And now it's going to the Supreme Court. So it takes there are some things happening in other countries. Sweden and Finland have stopped this practice because they've cited that there's no evidence to support it and there's never been a clinical study. Yeah. So some other countries are making some progress. And I've started going to the States now because yeah. the media up here won't cover anything, but I can get bigger podcasters and more media to cover what I'm doing down there. Yeah. So my main thing is I need to reach as many people as possible because Canada is not going to solve this on their own. No, we'll probably be the last nation to fix it after other nations have done away with it. Right. Because then our cowardly politicians will feel safer to do something. Right. So I'm taking this to the States right now. Okay. So Chris, people can find you. Your biggest place is Twitter. Twitter at Billboard Chris. I'm on Getter now as well. G-E-T-T-R. I'm hearing about Getter. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. it's, It's a really similar platform to Twitter, but they allow you to tell the truth. Yeah, right. you yeah. don't, you're not, there's no censorship on Getter. Is that, do you find that's, that's right? Like, do you find it's a bit of an echo chamber with only people in the know or, or other people know about Getter also? I think, I think maybe right now it is, but I don't follow that many people yet. Yeah. And I don't have any issues with those echo chamber stuff. I'm on Twitter. I'm seeing all sides of everything all the time. I'm getting harassed all the time by the other side as well. Totally. No matter how many people I block. So I'm always seeing all the other arguments. Have you been threatened to be banned or had any strikes on Twitter? I've been locked out. Uh, Once I got locked out for quoting somebody, it was this young guy in Victoria telling a woman that she was so old and decrepit that her brain was going to turn to mush and we didn't care what she thought anyway. That's what this guy was saying to her, a woman who'd come to ask me some questions. Wow. And so I quoted him in quotation marks and I got locked out for that. Wow. I've been locked out for posting images of a protester on a public street. Again, totally legal, but I got locked out for that. They make up their own. But I'm very careful. I don't I don't engage with the haters. I yeah. just block them straight away. Yeah. When people get suspended on Twitter, it's almost always because they're replying to somebody. Yeah. Right. Then they can deem it targeted harassment or hateful conduct. But if you just don't engage with all the haters, you're pretty much fine. Unless you're Robert Malone, he just got deleted off of Twitter for yes, for spreading misinformation about whatever they deem misinformation. Exactly. 
Del Bucci. It's better for you. That right? stuff's all wild. You know, yeah. That's just wild. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. The mainstream media is reporting stuff now that would have got you banned six months ago. Totally. Know, exactly. Which was considered yeah. conspiracy theory six months ago. Yeah. yeah. I saw right. this, this meme. It's like, what's the difference between a conspiracy truth? conspiracy theory and the truth and it's six, six months. months yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so twitter at billboard chris same thing with getter i'm on a few others as well same handle and my website is billboardchris.com okay i'll make sure to put all of this in the show notes as well i wanted to ask you the name of that book you mentioned um so irreversible damage okay the transgender craze seducing our daughters by Abigail Schreier. Abigail Schreiber? Schreier, yeah. Okay. I'll look it up. S-H-R-I-E-R. Yeah. H-R-I-E-R. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Yeah. Chris, oh, thank man. you so this, much for yeah. being here. Like you, I hope we can have you on. It, I hope you we can have you on again at some point and um just get your name out there bigger and yeah. for more of an audience. We're mainly on um Instagram and Telegram, but uh, I I don't know how to use Twitter and Jamie does nothing. It's okay. all moving to social media. So, yeah. but I'll I'll yeah. spread this out like crazy on the social media platforms we have and make sure that people know how to get a hold of you and uh, promote okay. your work. Great. I started up Instagram as well. Yeah, so I, I follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You're thank you very much. You're doing great work, reaching all the people. This is such an important message. Yeah. And this is how we're going to get this message to all Canadians. Exactly. People like you being brave and standing up. Oh yeah, man, you are you. the brave one. You're you, out there on the street corners getting your arm broken. Like we're behind the screen here. If, <laughs> but we, if you do ever come to the interior, um, let us know because we'll. I will be. We'll meet you and we'll stand with you. Definitely. I'll stand there right beside awesome. you in karate stance, brother. <laughs> he'll, he'll be your bodyguard. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. I need him. Okay. Lots of love. Right, guys. Yeah. Seriously, keep up the good fight, brother. brother. My pleasure. Thank you so <laughs> much for having me. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Okay, great. Thanks, Chris. All right. Have a good one. You, you too. too. Bye. Bye.